0: Ladies and gentlemen, we are preparing to make our final descent into the Gray Avenue. The local time is what it is, and the temperature is good degrees. This is where curious minds, entrepreneurs, daredevils, hustlers, and problem solvers converge. On your left is the world of productivity and success, home of the unicorns themselves. For your safety and comfort, please remain seated with your seatbelt fastened until the captain turns off the fasten seatbelt sign. On behalf of the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for listening to the Gray Ave Podcast, where all dreams do come true. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? My name is Gray, and this is another episode of the GrayF podcast. I'm recording this from the city of Johannesburg. It's quite a warm day. Not as warm. Well, yeah, something like that. Uh, But warmer than Cape Town, which is what I'm used to. Uh, And it's really awesome. It's a Sunday morning. And last night was a fight with Mayweather against McGregor. So I slept really late and I just woke up. And the Grey F podcast is a show where curious minds, entrepreneurs, daredevils, hustlers, and problem solvers converge. Each episode features a guest from a different walk of life, industry, and expertise. Whether it's tech, innovators, business leaders, we explore the failures, successes, and most importantly, lessons that contributed to the way they are living today. And today is no difference. Uh, we have Marcello Shermer, Uh, Marcello, I apologize if I am mispronouncing your surname here, but his passion lies in building scalable products and platforms to help entrepreneurs in Africa succeed. In his previous role as a regional manager for Africa at SeedStars World, he worked on analyzing over 20 entrepreneurship ecosystems on the continent while finding and supporting the best local startups and connect them to the right investors, partners, and countries to fuel their growth. And at the moment, he is leading the expansion team for Yoko. uh, That's in Johannesburg now. He's based in Johannesburg. And for most of you who listen to the podcast are familiar with Yoko. I had the CEO of the company on episode 50. For some of you, you might want to listen to it now. Uh, It's episode 50 with Katleko Mapai, who is the CEO of Yoko. It's a fintech company helping small businesses to be able to use uh, cards uh, as a form of payment. So Marcello, he is really involved in Africa, startups, and tech. And uh, for some of you, you've probably watched his Ted, TEDx talk in Vienna, where he was talking about what he has seen in Africa as far as entrepreneurship and innovation. Uh, the TED talk is called I got to witness the African startup revolution. You can check it out on TEDx and I'll put the link in the description. And so that's pretty much about it. I'll put everything else in the show notes, the link to the TED talk, uh, his Twitter and uh, some of the links, especially companies that he mentioned in our conversation. So, yeah, I hope you find it helpful and let me know what you think in the comments. And you can obviously tweet to Marcello if you want. On Twitter, the link will be available for you. And this is, I don't even know what episode this is like, what number? It's almost 60 now. We have done so many episodes, guys. So for those of you who do not know, you can go and download all these episodes for free. Whatever you want to listen to, whatever you feel like listening to at the moment, you can just go on my website, greatzabesi.com, G-R-E-Y, J-A-B-E-S-I.com. We're also on iTunes, the Grey F podcast, on SoundCloud, on TuneIn, on Stitcher Radio. We're all over the place. So that's something to keep in mind. And remember to support the podcast just by leaving a review on iTunes and giving us a five star. You just have to write what you think about the podcast. uh, Be as honest as possible so that I can also have room to improve it. And this is episode 59. So we have done... Almost 60, like you can see, over a year. And thank you guys for the support as far as those who have been here since the beginning. Okay, enjoy my conversation with Marcello. Thank you.
1: I'm Marcello. Hi, everyone. Um, I run the expansion team at a fintech company called Yoko. Um, We're a Cape Town-based company that offers mobile point-of-sale solutions. And as part of the expansion team, we basically look into taking the company to new markets. So I'm actively looking at taking the company to new markets outside of South Africa. So I'm very much looking into, you know, the interesting countries, interesting industries, interesting places for us to go to. And before joining Yoko, I was the regional manager for Africa at Seedstars. So I traveled to about 18 countries across Africa mm. to find and look for and support um, tech startups, mm. which was really, really cool. And so, yeah, I'm very much invested into the, the tech space on the
0: continent. What's exciting is that I did a podcast with Katlenko, who is the CEO of your... Oh, very so, cool. Yeah. Very cool. So I guess the audience is quite familiar with the company. And cool. for those who haven't listened to it, can check out episode. 50, episode number 15 so yeah so I think what I would like to chat to you about more is to do with the uh, with tech in Africa when did you come uh, to join seed stars so I
1: joined seed stars at the beginning of 2015 right. but my first um, kind of encounter with the tech space on the continent was in 2013 um, when I did a trip called startup bus. Mm. Um, It was an absolutely crazy trip. We basically flew to Harare. And then from there, we took a bus and drove all the way to Cape Town and did a hackathon on the bus. So starting in Harare, four days of traveling on the road with about 30 people. It was half people from Africa and the other half was from, from abroad. And on that trip, we just like coded away and came up with crazy projects, but also stopped along the way at different hubs and incubators and, and co working spaces on the continent. And that was really where my kind of imagination popped open. I'm like, wow, there's so much stuff happening. There's so many incredible people working on, on, on crazy things. And that was really when my kind of passion, or it, at that point, it was an interest for the, the tech ecosystem on the continent. Mm-hmm was sparked. And back then I was still working in in San Francisco and then more and more became interested in what's happening on, on the continent. But I didn't really know how to get involved and what to do and and, and how to go about it. And then um, the, the Seed Stars opportunity came along. They basically looked for someone who can help them scale the, the Africa operation of the competition, but also then gradually build up the network and the context to do investments and, and accelerator programs and things like that. And so I jumped on the opportunity and um, I basically, I, I jumped on a plane. My job description was figure out Africa for Seed Stars. Yeah. And uh, I did that as best as I could and, and yeah, managed to get to go to about 18 countries, which was an amazing
0: experience. So... From what you've seen and your experience, of course, it's a very short period from when you started to this point. Like, what has changed?
1: The main thing to me is what's changing faster and faster and faster and accelerating all the time is two things. One, the professionalization of the businesses across the continent. Mm -hmm. And number two is the the general interest in entrepreneurship and startups on the continent, specifically in tech What that means is that you're starting to see more and more sophisticated companies um, run by more and more sophisticated and experienced entrepreneurs that are meeting more and more people who are interested in supporting. So that means, you know, bigger investments, more investments, more support programs, more networks for people to engage with. And that, I think, has changed a lot. I mean, three years ago, if you were saying that an African company would raise a $10 million Series A round, Mm. people would have laughed at you. And now you have your your Andellas that have done that. You have other companies that have raised even more. Um, And, you know, I I don't think necessarily that the amount of funding is always an indicator of success, but it's definitely an indicator of someone has the trust and the belief that money is well spent. And I think that's a really important sign and a really important signaling value to other people that, you know, people are believing in what's coming out of the continent and it's super encouraging for people to get involved and do their own
0: thing. And for that period, like... What are the startups that stand
1: out to you where you're like, okay, this is crazy? Look, there's way too many. I think what I always find interesting is when you, when you meet startups that you, you just wouldn't have expected to come from a certain place, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, when we went to Mali, there was a company that has basically found a way to trans, transmit um, x-rays and other like medical documents in a much more efficient way to help rural doctors and hospitals talk to, you know, like the hospitals in the city where all the equipment is. And you see companies building, building drones in Tanzania. You see, you know, uh, people working on absolutely interesting hardware stuff. We met this guy in Mozambique who built um, a TV streaming box that doesn't just stream movies from the internet, but basically builds a mesh network with other TV streaming boxes. So you can essentially start watching things without having to use the internet because you're streaming from other boxes. Uh, that doesn't make sense today, but it sounds, <laughs> <laughs> sounds complicated. So it's almost like a, a BitTorrent network, oh, it's a um, but, okay. but based on a, on, a, on a hardware device that connects okay. to your TV. So rather than streaming Game of Thrones from the internet, you basically stream it from your neighbor's box. Okay. And so okay. you're not relying on you know, slow internet, you're not relying on like, any of this stuff. And it's just, it just makes everything so much easier. And so you, you, you end up seeing these things that if, if I showed them to you and I told you they're from Silicon Valley, you wouldn't like doubt it for a second. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But then they come from, the, from places where, you know, if I asked you is there innovation in Mozambique, you'd probably say no. Yeah. And that's, that's what I really find exciting is when you see incredible like top-notch um, stuff coming from places that... You would never expect these things to come from. And and it's it's changing the narrative of what's possible mm-hmm. on the continent. And that, to me, is super exciting. And these were the things that always kind of blew me away.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That TV box is What really cool. What's the company called? It's called Black Box TV. Black Box TV. I you should definitely look it up. Yeah. Now, in South Africa, right now, what's kind of like the ecosystem? I mean, first of all, how do you compare the South African uh, ecosystem for now with the rest of Africa? So it always depends on what you
1: compare it on, right? I think South Africa has a very, very big advantage in a few areas. First of all, the education system is so much better than a lot of other African countries. So, you know, out of the top 10 universities across the continent, I think six or seven are in South Africa. So... The, the talent pool you have available is incredible, which is you know the most important thing for, for startups to thrive. Secondly, the funding landscape is fairly good. Of course, there's more that can be done, but the amount of capital you have in the country is mind-blowing. And not just South African capital, but also other African wealthy people have their money in South Africa. So it's almost like the Switzerland of Africa to some extent. Right. So there's a lot of capital here, a lot of economic activity here. That's, of course, very um, positive for the ecosystem. And then the other thing is you have a big influx of foreign like talent, attention, support, whatever, um, which I think is adding a lot as well. Um, so to me, in, in terms of if you look at the, the sophistication of ideas, South Africa is, is probably the furthest ahead in, in, on, on the continent, but other countries are catching up super quickly. Um, If you're looking at what's coming out of Nigeria, there's really, really cool companies that are starting to be built. Um, If you're looking at, I think Ethiopia is a very interesting place as well. Um, What South Africa doesn't have is a domestic market that's big enough if you really want to make it. Because if you compare, for example, uh, Nigeria has 180 million people and South Africa has 55. So, so oh, yeah. and, and then if you take the kind of economically active population in South Africa, you get to, you know, close to like 25 very quickly. So South Africa is a, for me, I would always say it's a great place to start, but you need to look outside of South Africa very quickly and not just at Europe and the US. There's much more than that.
0: Uh, what I would like to know is, in general, what are the challenges faced by a lot of African startups Say, except South Africa?
1: So it's very different on the con- depending on the country. But generally speaking, infrastructure is an issue. So for example, if you're in Nigeria or in Ghana and you have an incredibly unreliable power supply, and I know that South Africans think their power supply is unreliable, but if you're in Nigeria and power trips nine times a day and there's no load shedding schedule, but it's just random, and you don't know if it comes back in an hour or in a minute or in a day or in a week that is really disruptive. So you're facing infrastructure challenges to some extent. You're facing talent challenges. So the availability of talent is still very, very limited and the appeal of corporates is very high. So a lot of the very, very educated people end up going into corporate because of the money, because of of that. And to some extent, you also have that in, in South Africa. And then I think in a lot of countries, you still have a big cultural block um, towards people not going into entrepreneurship because people say, you know, like, it's not a job. Um, yeah. You're looking into a laptop, so you're not working. You're not going to be a doctor. Exactly. Go be a doctor, go be a lawyer, go yeah. be this, go be that. So, so that's adding, I think, a lot to the to the pressure and the challenges. And the other thing that people would also say a lot is is just funding, you know, like... When you're starting out, you need a little bit of money to um, to get going. And not everyone had the luxury of having a job before to put some money on the side or have parents that can be your first angel investors. And so just the, the capital to get going is
0: also really, really tough to find sometimes. So I grew up in Malawi, for example, right? And I s- still see that in most African countries, the... The cultural aspect of uh, of whatever is happening there has a huge impact on business and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of the things that people believe in, kind of affects the way they do things, or the things that they would be interested in, or they'll be able to join. Absolutely. How do you think that could change? Because that's a big, kind of a deep problem. Then uh, it's deeper than funding, because funding w- would change. You know. Exactly. I think it's it's essentially
1: it's about role models. Um, and I think that's really the, the important part. And it needs to be not just random role models, but relatable role models. Mm-hmm. You know, we all we all hike up hype up your Mark Zuckerbergs and your Elon Musk's and whatever. But at the end of the day, if you grow up in in Malawi, then identifying yourself with Steve Jobs and thinking that mm-hmm. this could be you, very it's hard. it's very far apart. Yeah. Right. So I think we need to work much harder at having local and relatable success stories and role models that people can look at and say this could be me you know I can see how I couldn't get from where I am now to where he or she is now and I think we're not doing that enough we're not celebrating our own successes enough we're still looking at your Elon Musks and your Jack Mars and all these guys and they've, you know they've, they've accomplished an incredible amount and it's important to to learn from them but I think we need to learn from the people who, have figured it out here and done things here yes. because that is what people can relate to. If if you start a startup in your dorm room in Harvard, that's not a scenario that most people can identify with. Absolutely right. Yeah. And so I think that that's something we need to work on much more because what's going to do is first of all it's going to encourage people to try because mm-hmm. they're like if he did it I can. But second of all, it's also going to show to to parents and family that. There's more career paths than just doctors and, and lawyers. Mm. The problem is everyone in your family knows a doctor, knows a lawyer. They know the fancy car they're driving around. So it's an easy thing to... It's relatable. Correct. It's, 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 it's relatable. And the doctor grew up across the street. So, you know, if you grow up there, you can make it too. He's like the Elon Musk of that area, right? Correct. Correct. He's the, the Elon Musk of the area. But we need more Elon Musk and we need more... Local Elon Musk's and relatable Elon Musk. Like I always cringe when I go to startup conferences or events focused on African tech, and then they they, they talk about Elon Musk as an African entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> and 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 I know it's technically correct, correct, yeah, yeah. but
0: it it's also not. <laughs> yeah, 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 I totally agree with you. Rather maybe speak of Walekudangota to some level, but also that's. Another different story. Correct, yeah. Because, like you said, a story of um, starting your startup in a drum room would be way much different from someone who grew up in a household without electricity or clean water. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing is, uh, what have you seen as government support? Because, personally, I feel like they're far way behind as far as supporting tech startups specifically, or just startups in general. So... I have very conflicted opinions about this. I think the first
1: question for me is, should government support startups? And I'm not too sure about that. I think the government's role is to create an environment that makes it okay for startups to work. To give you a very specific example, if, if as a startup it becomes a three-month process just to incorporate. And then from the moment you incorporate it, you're hit with like a 40% tax rate because the tax code doesn't have a provision for young companies. That is something the government needs to solve. If, if um, there's no spaces where people can work that have proper internet connectivity, no infrastructure, that is something government can solve. Government should not go and like, invest in a company. That's not, that's not their role. So, for me, government's role is really to support the creation of the environment and build almost like the, the platform for people to start working and take all the roadblocks out of the way. Mm-hmm. But then it's up to the individual. So, are governments doing that? Not as much as they should. I mean, you're starting to see governments being very involved, um, but... In a lot of cases, it's very, um, you know, very much PR focused. So for example, you know, the Nigerian president has his own demo day. So he invites like 10 startups a year um, to to his house and they pitch to the president. Last year, Mark Zuckerberg was one of the judges. So it's like super high profile. But then it's yeah. not what the government should do. Yeah. The, the president of Kenya has been like walking into IHUB a lot of times, but then, you know, the, 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 then they introduce bills that make, you know, like entrepreneurs and startups really, really hard to, to run. So there's a lot of lip service. There's a lot of talking. But I don't see them building that, that infrastructure well enough. Interestingly enough, in, in South Africa, if you there's actually a lot of um, support structures that you can access from the government. The problem is just they're really tough to find. Right. And they're really tedious in terms of application process. So the government has a lot of funds that they, they have to invest in, in companies. But if you need to hire someone for a month to fill in the application because it's 600 pages, yeah. you're not going to do it, yes. right? Because you don't have the capacity. So I don't see them doing enough, with the only exception being Rwanda. I think what, what Rwanda is doing for... Innovation in general is really impressive. And it starts with, with simple things. One, they now have visa-free entry for all African passport holders. So you, it's one of the few countries on the continent where you can literally just, if you have an African passport, show up at the border and they let you in. Um, Ronda said. Rwanda, yeah. You should
0: do the next year then.
1: <laughs> yeah, you should definitely go. It's, it's a fantastic place. The government has invested an insane amount in infrastructure, fiber, mobile networks, roads, um, all sorts of things. And 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 they're now building... They've, they've put the whole government system on... Uh, they've turned the whole government into e-government. Mm. So now, for example, if you want to request a birth certificate, you can literally do it with a USSD shortcode on a phone. Right. So there's, you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. They've now built uh, a special economic zones where manufacturing companies can come and, and produce products in the country, um, which is why... I think the the only laptop manufacturing plant on the continent is in Rwanda, for example. Wow, okay. So they actually manufacture laptops in Rwanda. And the the, the president is constantly pushing for the country to be more innovative. They now launched a program where they use drones to deliver blood and medical equipment between hospitals. Mm. So like today you can go to Rwanda and there's drones flying around. Really? Yeah. And, and it's, it's working? It's working, yeah. So they, they're using it to transport um, equipment between hospitals. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the hospitals and are rural areas, the roads are not good. And so they basically, if they need a blood supply in a rural hospital, they, they take it in Kigali, they put it on a drone, they send a drone, it drops it off at the hospital, mm-hmm. and stuff arrives in 20 minutes rather than two days. Right, And that's something that's, you know, supported and sponsored by the government, which is incredible. So Rwanda is probably one of the examples of, of countries that have done an incredible job. For the other countries, it's either lip service or there is support, but it's just so incredibly hard to access that people choose not to.
0: Mm. Yeah, like on that point, that I actually meant exactly what you said of just the government giving... trying to create an ecosystem where uh, startups can thrive. But then on the funding side as well, I was listening to Vusitemi from South Africa and he was saying exactly what you're talking about of uh, the applying process for example, it's like 600 pages long and for someone who is coming from uh, Soweto in South Africa, they're not even familiar with it, like you know, he just wants to run his business. It makes it very hard just to get access to the funding as well as it, it makes it harder, even for the government, to actually invest in the right startups because some people would just study the right way to actually approach the, the funders and they would get it, even though the company is probably not legit. You know? Yeah.
1: And then sometimes these processes are run by bureaucrats who don't know how startups works. Absolutely. Work. So yeah. now, even if you went through the process, you, you're you a startup, you're just starting out, you have an idea, you have a prototype, and they ask you to submit a 15-year financial projection. Yeah. And it's like, it, of course, it, it, it sounds useful on paper, mm. but people end up making it up. Yeah. Because if, if you only have a prototype, how are you going to know your profit to descend yes. in, you know, 2032? Mm. But they're going to require it. So you just end up making things up and then it, it doesn't help anyone. So yeah. if the process is long, if the pro- process is run by the wrong people with the wrong mindset you're really not helping anyone and, and, and it's not doing anything for the startups either.
0: And what are the places that you would recommend that if you're interested in, in startups, what are the places besides Rwanda in Africa where you could say, look, this is where you could visit maybe and see some cool stuff up in?
1: So I think you, you can see cool stuff anywhere. The places I'm most excited about besides Rwanda is one, Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, for the reason that it's essentially the last country left on Earth that has a population of 100 million people and is essentially a state-run monopoly. No other place in the world has that kind of setup.
0: Oh, sorry, just uh, ex- uh, explain a little bit more on that. Sure. What other people who don't understand.
1: So in Ethiopia, the the you can't trade the currency internationally. For example, mm-hmm. the currency is its own thing. There's only one telco. Um, there's essentially the banks are state-run. The whole Business landscape is more or less state-run, and they've been completely shielded off from foreign influence. So, like besides Coca-Cola, you don't find any foreign brands in the country. You don't have a, a McDonald's. You don't have a Starbucks. You don't have a, a anything. You, there's no MTN. There's no none of the things you know you you, you find there, um, which has basically created a massive market that served only domestically. But at the same time, it's only a matter of time until the market is going to open up. Yeah. And then there's going to be a massive flood of opportunity coming into the country if, if, as an outsider. Um, but at the same time, for now, essentially, a lot of the innovation that's happening in the country is coming local. So there's no, like, Ubers or Taxifys yeah. or things like that that go into the country. So there's massive opportunity to do stuff. And that's something that's really fascinating and people are taking it up because you're looking at a domestic market of 100 billion people, a GDP that's growing 10% a year or something like that. So you, you, you're having an incredibly attractive market that is, if you're inside, shielded off from the outside. Yeah. So it's a very interesting competitive environment. So yeah, Ethiopia is super interesting. The other place I would look into is Abidjan in Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast is having like a, post-Civil War economic spike. Mm-hmm. It's growing incredibly fast. And again, because it's a French-speaking country, a lot of things happened locally for the local market. So there's a lot of very unique things coming out of there. People are super entrepreneurial and doing, doing incredible stuff. So I think these two are really interesting. And then if you go further to North Africa, I think Egypt and Morocco are incredibly exciting as well in terms of the the startup quality that's coming out specifically Egypt is I mean you know when we talk about Africa most
0: of the times people mean sub Saharan Africa yeah. but if you add Egypt to that it's 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 also power so I'm fascinated by uh, Ethiopia what you said I didn't know that yeah it's most people don't is is it a good or bad thing or is it Depending on how you look at it. It depends
1: on how you look at it. You know, I mean, you could now go into all sorts of like political discussions, and I, I think this is not the time and place to have it. No. But the the way I look at it is because of the situation, there's an incredible opportunity for people in the market to do things, which to me is a good thing. And because of the situation, at some point down the road, there will be an incredible opportunity for people outside the market to move into the market, mm-hmm. which is a good thing as well. Yeah, the rest is, is political. Political. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like the
0: China of Africa is on its own somehow. To you know, some extent, to some yeah, extent. Very, it's an it's a interesting comparison, yeah. Uh, I'm definitely going to Rwanda next year to see the drones. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay man and how is it going at Yoko? What's new what's coming up in, in Cape Town for sure you're killing it but I'm not from, I'm not in from Joburg, so I don't know how much you guys are doing here.
1: At Yoko we've uh, basically we've opened our new office in Joburg in May. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time we have a, a full-time presence in in Hateng. It's going incredibly well the team has grown here. We've recently hit the, the big milestone of having 10,000 merchants in in South Africa, wow. which now makes us the biggest uh, mobile point of sale company that's that's not a bank. Mm. So that's incredibly exciting, and yeah, we're now essentially busy preparing expanding to to new countries, um, and we should be piloting in, in one country before the end of the year, mm-hmm. which is which is very very cool, and, and I'm very excited about which country you know, is that going to be? Uh, we're looking at East Africa. East Africa, exactly.
0: Nice, um, Kenya. <laughs> We'll see. (laughs) Okay. And what are your thoughts, um, since you're into the fintech side of things and into Africa, what are your thoughts on cryptocurrency or Bitcoin specifically, for example?
1: So full disclaimer, I'm not an expert Mm -hmm. and I don't know much about Bitcoin as a a whole. Mm -hmm. My observation as an interested outsider is... I'm very excited to see the applications of Bitcoin that are not currency related. Mm -hmm. So to give you examples, there's a company in Ghana that's using the blockchain to do um, title deeds for land. So basically build a a register of who owns what piece of land based on the blockchain. That kind of stuff is super exciting. There's a company called... Um, Bitpesa that's using Bitcoin to transfer money between countries in Africa. Also really interesting because they're basically using the, the easier tradability of the currency mm. and the lower transaction fees to of make course. cross-border payments um, work better. There's a company in South Africa called Kustos that's using um, blockchain um, and Bitcoin to incentivize people to report pirated movies. Mm. Um, they basically hide... And I don't know how it works, but they basically hide um, cash in, in movies. And when people find the cash, it basically reports who the uploader was. Yeah. And then the people get rewarded for finding who uploaded it. And the movie studios find out who yeah. uploaded it and can make sure that that person gets prosecuted or whatever it might wow. be. So to me, Bitcoin, blockchain has incredible potential. But I'm really more excited about what people are going to use it for outside of the currency and, and, and trading space, but how people are going to apply it in, in interesting ways that people wouldn't have
0: thought of. There's a, another uh, blockchain, uh, it's called Ethereum. Yeah. It's based on the blockchain. I guess that's going to do a lot of that stuff because it has smart contracts embedded to it. So Exactly. Yeah, But as a currency, say, um, with the problems that Zimbabwe has been facing it, do you think having a decentralized currency would,
1: would help? The big promise of a decentralized currency is that there's not one person or entity that can control it. Yes. Which, of course, makes a lot of sense, theoretically, when you look at countries like Zimbabwe, what they've done to their currency, mm. and how other countries are manipulating their currency Um, to to be more or less, you know, competitive in the global space. So it's definitely an opportunity, but then at the same time, it's also incredibly challenging because decentralized doesn't mean that necessarily no one has control over it. Yeah, for sure. You know I mean? You see, for example, with the hype that Bitcoin is having now, it's at what, like Mm $4,000 a Bitcoin. That is pretty close to hyperinflation as well, if you look at the the growth chart of, of Bitcoin. So you're not necessarily avoiding these problems. You're just making them, you're just not making them in the area of control of a certain country or government, which is probably not a bad idea, but then you're going to get into new problems. It's like, how do you, you know, how do you deal with it when it's completely decentralized and nobody has, has control okay. over it? And also for me, the flip side is, what's going to happen to countries <laughs> when they don't have control over the currencies? Yeah. Because it's a massive limit to your sovereignty as a country. If now all of a sudden you don't have your own currency, you can't control your currency, you can't, you know, like control transfers and control transfers, anything, right? It's a, it's, if I was in government, I'd be scared.
0: They should be scared. I'm sure they are. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, they're not doing anything about it from my point of view, you know.
1: Yeah, but it's one of these things that's tough to know what to do. I mean, for example, the the central bank in Kenya last year they put out um, like full page ads in newspaper, mm-hmm. warning people um, about the the risk of Bitcoin, um, really? and telling people that it's essentially like a Nigerian scam and they shouldn't touch oh. it and you know like there's no control and all their savings can be lost. So they've tried the um, the scare route to, to, to scare people away from Bitcoin, which. Is not gonna work, but yes. as as a government, it's tough because you're seeing like you're standing at the bottom of the mountain, and you're seeing this big boulder rolling down, mm-hmm. and you know you have to stop it or like do something, with but it. you can't. But you don't know how because you just yeah. you know like a guy seeing a, a big rock running towards mm-hmm. you. So it's, it's it's tough. I don't know exactly what governments can do. If I were in their shoes, I'd be scared. Mm-hmm. Um. But the opportunity for for progress in general is massive with with Bitcoin. Um, I just like us to talk about it less as a currency and more as you know a, a technology and a protocol yeah. for different things. At the same time, I also think there's a little bit of a hype around Bitcoin, and people are looking at like what can I use Bitcoin for, and they don't really think about does it make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I'm I'm starting to see job platforms coming up that are based on blockchain. Yes. And and, and, I mean, that's where my understanding of the technology ends, but I don't understand how the blockchain is going to make finding a job Mm. significantly easier, right? Right. So I also think there's a bit of a let me find something to then add blockchain and Bitcoin to without thinking about if it makes sense or not, which is not healthy either. But I think as with every new technology, it's almost like a pendulum, right? It becomes... Super, super exciting, super hyped, Then there's a bit of, a, of an area of, of uh, disillusionment, so it goes a little bit back, and then it, it comes back, Good. so that's, I think the normal progression of new technologies and new innovations, we'll see where it goes.
0: Great, thanks, how do you pronounce it? It's Marcello. Marcello, yeah. Marcello, okay, thanks Marcello. Cool. You're welcome, thank you, thank you so much. And lastly, guys, before you take off, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you on the next episode. If you think this was helpful and deserves more listens to a lot of people out there, please remember to share it on your social media. You can tweet about it. You can send a link to a friend or something like that. You can also support this podcast by giving it a five-star review on iTunes. And remember to subscribe. You can do it many ways. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, I have website where you can also subscribe from there then you'll be able to receive emails whenever i have a new guest then i can tell you who is coming next and i send you questions about what do you think i should ask them or we should talk about so it's just a cool way to be part of the community and to grow this together with that i'll leave you to it enjoy and stay awesome